Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster. Today, we have a client-turned-friend, Larissa Loden, on the show. I've been impressed with her and her business from day one that we met, and it's been amazing to watch her journey over the last few years. She's seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, but has built an amazing business and team along the way. Larissa started her business with one simple idea, that you can look good, feel good, and do good, all while being a badass. It began as a side hustle when she was a middle school art teacher, and it has morphed into what she calls a dream come true small business. At heart, she's a woman, mother, and artist who finds inspiration everywhere, and a little bit of a weirdo that definitely comes out on her social media. Having been on such a wild ride as an entrepreneur over the years, Larissa and her friend Andrew started a podcast about it, The World's Okayest Entrepreneur. Today, we're diving into what it really took for her to get to where she is now and how it wasn't an overnight success, even though it may look like that to some on the outside. Make sure you listen all the way to the end to hear what she has in store for her Black Friday Cyber Monday deals. If her jewelry is your vibe, you're going to want in on this one. All right, friends, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get into it. Hey, Larissa, welcome to the show. Hey, Jess, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Me too. I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for the longest time. And I think previously we talked about talking about (laughs) your team and how you built it because you have the most badass team for a small business, just so dedicated and love what they do. And I think that is such a freaking accomplishment because people are the hardest part. And I do still want to talk about that. But you also mentioned (laughs) that you had, was it a 400% increase in e-commerce business this year? Yeah, I think it's 383 right now for online store. And then overall, our business then is up 65% from last year. I'm super special. And I feel like it was a lot of hard work and we can talk about what I ended up doing. But I acknowledge that I'm not the common story right now. But I think it was like to paint the picture I wasn't a COVID e-commerce boom story. Like before COVID, we were 70% wholesale and then 25% in person. So I had a really shitty club year. So I definitely went through the S curve of economics before everybody else. And so I think I was just really trying to reinvent the wheel. So I feel like I'm on the upside now of the S curve. And I can acknowledge that a lot of people are now in the shit part of the S curve of economics right now. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about all of that. And I was there with you in the shit storm of the pandemic. Thank you. (laughs) I do remember that experience. But before we get there, 
For people who don't know you, yes, I did your intro and I told them who you are and what you sell, but I'd love to just hear in your words what it is that you do and why you do it. We're a jewelry brand that very much so our why is dare to be your fucking self. And that's like our jewelry brand. And then we're a jewelry brand that lets you feel seen. Like our hero product is a pair of teeny tiny baby fuck studs. And they're like the perfect thing for pretty much everybody. Even the people that say they don't swear, I'm like, you might want to start with these. You might feel a little bit better if you wear these. But they're just like this little piece of empowerment that you kind of get to wear. I mean, and it's fun because a lot of people that buy the fuck studs are honestly like people that are in healthcare or there's like teachers and it's so funny what they say around them they're like if you can read these you're probably too close <laughs> yes a hundred percent so guys you can obviously tell why i was so drawn to larissa's brand in the first place because it's all very much right up my alley she also has a necklace the tomb necklace it's a spiky necklace i'm patiently or impatiently waiting for her to release the silver one the end of november it may be part of our black friday cyber monday stream so bfcm Ooh. just gonna drop a little preview there so <laughs> i will definitely be there for that because i've almost bought the gold one like multiple times but i really look better in silver so i'm just gonna hold out maybe she'll do it eventually more silver's coming for all of you silver babes out there. So yeah, the silver baddies have spoken and silver is coming. So let's start with the team stuff because I always say people is the hardest part of any business. So if you were talking to baby entrepreneur who is hiring their first team members, what would you tell them? Oh man, there's so much I would tell them. I mean, very much so what you just said, business is easy, people are hard. I'm like, it's so true. 100%. It's like, if you take the people out of it, the business is actually quite easy, but you need the people to run your business. And so how to build a team? I think you need to just invest in yourself as a leader, which is so hard. If I'm speaking purely on tactics, what it pretty much was, was like my previous career was as an art teacher. While I think that helped me in many ways, I always say if you can manage a classroom of like 35 middle schoolers, you can pretty much do anything. But I think what that at least allowed me to do was how to kind of direct a room. Like I wasn't so scared. I think that's a big thing that a lot of entrepreneurs, especially sometimes females. And so you actually put what you truly want out of your business to the side. And like somebody might be like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed out or whatever. And then you kind of are like, it's OK, I'm going to take that away from you. I mean, this was very much so like in the past couple of years, I ended up having a coach and he was like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm so afraid if I leave the office before these people do, what are they going to say? Are they going to just like stop working? This is like this thing like I have to set the example of what hard work looks like. And he was like. Have you seen any evidence of this? You had to have left the office before early. And 100% sometimes I would just be like, I just need to go home or I just need a break. And I'd schedule in. I'm like, doctor's appointment and giant text on my calendar, even though I didn't have a doctor's appointment. I mean, I just was making up crazy stuff. So I made baby steps and I was like, I'm leaving on a Wednesday. Like, I just need a break. Guess what? Everything was fine. Everybody continued to work hard. But what it really is that helps me like have all of these employees that do work hard is about three years ago, we started self-implementing this thing called EOS, which is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. 
It's made by this guy named Gino Wickman. And we tried to self-implement it. And you could see some really good things. One thing that they do that I actually recommend for anybody in a company, whether you take on EOS or not, is called the L10. It's a level 10 meeting. And so it's just this meeting where your key people on your team sit down and you just discuss issues. Because as an entrepreneur, you will get blindsided all day long. Like, this is an issue. This is an issue. This is an issue. And it just makes a place where you're like, okay, cool. So in an L10 meeting, what happens is, is you start first five minutes is wins. Second five minutes is your KPIs, so your key performance indicators. Next five minutes is what's called your rocks. So that's a big part of EOS is that you have these projects that you focus on for 90 days. And these are going to help drive your business forward. And then how people know how to pick those. After that, it's just like your five minutes of headlines. So people in their departments are like, this is what's happening and this is what's happening. And then the next five is your kind of to-do list, any deliverables that you had from the last meeting. That should be 30 minutes. And then the next 60 minutes is just doing what's called the IDS, which is the issue, discuss it, solve it. So people put all their issues on the list. We vote on them. First thing is that you always talk about because nobody ever votes on it is people. So if you have a people ACO, because nobody's going to vote on it because we're all like delicate, like, oh, my God, feelings. And so he just removed the bullshit out of there. And he was like, you always talk about people first. And so we're like, OK, well, I guess this is the program that we signed up for. And then people vote and then you discuss on those things and you solve them and then you move on. And that's like the commitment. So that's like the L10 part of the EOS. But really what I think was my contribution to the company and to my team is that we just operated off of this system and then we just dove in and it was extremely expensive, like everything is when you run a business, but it really helped. Now, EOS is really once you get to like 10 to 250 is kind of they say their sweet spot as far as employees go. But I think so many of those things can be implemented because maybe an L10 isn't necessary, but the other part of EOS that's so great is you kind of get your 10-year goal and then you decide your three-year goal, and then you decide your one-year goal. And they're all supposed to feed into one another. And that's how then you decide you're on your rock slash projects, because all of those 90-day ones should be feeding into your one-year goal. Like one of our goals last year was we are going to grow our online business by 30%. And we were just so focused on it. And then look what happened because of that. We were so focused on it. We actually ended up growing it by 383%. And so that's because you're so focused on it. And it's commitment too. And in full transparency, we kind of sucked a little bit in the beginning because we were like, everything is important. It was really interesting, like on a podcast. I really love these two books, The Gap and the Gain, and then 10X is easier than 2X. And it was really interesting because one of the things he said on that podcast to this other guy, he was like, can you think of some things that can grow your podcast by 10%? And he was like, yeah, I can think of like 100 things. He was like, exactly. Can you think of things that will grow your podcast by 100%? And he was like, there's only a couple. And if you really focus on those couple of things, which is really hard as entrepreneurs, because we're like shining objects. I love all of them. But it really helps you focus in. So like commit to those one-year goals that are going to get you to that 10-year goal. And your 10-year goal should be insane. As entrepreneurs, we always have a pretty high risk tolerance threshold, but I'm even scared of our 10-year goal a little bit. We just said it at our annual a week ago. I know we can do it, but it also terrifies me. 
I mean, there's another book that I recently read. Am I right? I mean, listen, but it was Think Like a Rocket Scientist. He's a rocket scientist that was at NASA, but he was like, business is so much like being a rocket scientist. And he was like, you really need to set your moonshot goals. The craziest thing is that if you set your moonshot and you fail, you still got 80% further than anybody else ever would because you set it so high. And I was like, that's cool. I like that. And I'm going to do that. I love all of it. And when I talk to people, and I will fully admit that this is so much easier to teach and coach other people through than it is for me to do for myself. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh my God, she's an overnight success. I've been fucking making jewelry for 20 years. And I left full-time teaching seven years ago. I was all like, I've been through a couple S curves now, but I just like, you can't beat me down. That is the exact thing that I tell people is to just focus on like max three things at a time because it's literally all you can do. Or you're going to do 10 things and do them not very well and really not make much progress. And I fall victim to this literally all the time. And I'm like, oh, my God, take your own damn advice. So it's just really exciting to hear and see that you guys have done it and everyone's on board. And the books for EOS. Cool thing about EOS is like this visionary integrator. And so Rocket Fuel is a little bit on that. And then there's Get a Grip. Is Traction the one where it actually tells the story of a business starting to implement EOS? What he created is amazing. How they read is a bit hard. I think the person that writes like the best story versions, actually, this is a great team book, is Patrick Lencioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He starts with a story and storytelling is key. And then he really talks about it at the end. And like, so actually every year at our team's annual, we have to reread it and you like find new things and it really helps you because a team is all built on these five pillars. I mean, the first foundation is trust. And then the second one is conflict. I need to know that I can trust you and challenge you at the same time. It's really built on this thing. So I care for all of my people deeply, but I've learned to also challenge directly. And I want them to challenge me back. And like, it's really started to happen in the past year where people will disagree with me. And honestly, it's refreshing. Somebody challenged me yesterday and was like, well, not everybody is exactly like you, Larissa, the customer. And I was like, thank you for challenging me. And that's, I think, part of it is like creating that culture of recognizing when somebody challenges you and saying, I appreciate your feedback. Well, I love to hear that because I'm always the challenger. Like in every job I've ever had, I am always the challenger. And I'm like, how have I like not gotten fired yet? And I'm always the one that throws the wrench in everyone's plans. I'm like, but wait, did you think about this? That's just who I am. And anyone who has worked with me can probably sense that about me as well. What's your Enneagram? Do you know? I don't actually know. I've never taken that test. I'm an eight with the wing of a three. So actually, I am a challenger and then an entrepreneur. I've taken some of the tests and there's one of them. I don't remember which one, but it's like every time I take it, I get a different result. And I'm like, what does that say about me? I'm not sure. The Myers-Briggs, I've gotten two different results from. That's the one. They're like close. But I think that's the thing, too, is for all people. And this really does talk to your team, too, is like everybody has the possibility. But it's not like black or white. Everything is just a blend. So whenever anybody is like, I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert, I'm like, no, it's more like you have a circle and then you're 
60% extrovert, 40% introvert. I'm an extrovert, but oh my God, I need to recharge. Tonight, I'm like 100% going to cancel on a friend because I just can't mentally anymore. So sorry, friend. (laughs) We all have a little bit of both in ourselves for sure. Quick question. Do you hire for skill or attitude? Both. I mean, we had a really tough employee situation about two years ago. Really bad breakup. Not good. And we actually got really like scared on hiring for quite a while. I think every entrepreneur has a story like this where it just burns them hard. We will go through the pain of doing that workload until we truly find the right person. So it's core values. And we just hold out until then. And sometimes it's painful. But let me tell you, the pain of a wrong hire is way more. But it has to be both. It can't be one or the other. I will go back on my statement a little bit. 100% has to be core values. So like we have three core values in our company, which is keep it real. So it's very much built on like that idea of direct communication, like clear as kind, Brene Brown style go-getter. You can just kind of take initiative creative thinker. And then the other one is be evolutionary. You truly believe like you're in this growth mindset and it's personally and professionally. And so we always ask during an interview, like, what are your core values? And we ask a couple of really weird ones. One of our biggest unlocks was every single job we interview for now in that interview has a sample round, no matter what it is. So if it's like a fulfillment position, We actually like during that time, have you go in like pick stuff from an order because it's so hard in an interview to know, like, can you do the job? We've been recently hiring for like a content person and very much so we were like, you had 30 minutes in this room. You need to edit a piece of my copy and you need to go create content because I've been doing the content creation and people have sucked way more than me. I need you to be better than me. Like, that's what Steve Jobs once said when he was hiring people. They were like, what can you offer me? And he was like, no, I'm hiring you. You need to show me. So the core values is just crucial. I think it's for like a not a strategic hire, but a little bit lower level. I think if the core values is there and you see the potential for the skill, like the skills like half there, then I think you can totally do that. But core values, 100% all day long, only core values. You can't change those. You can't teach them. They either have them or they don't. And you're right. Early on in your hires, if the skill is lacking a bit, you can teach them stuff. But we also want to make sure that hiring people doesn't become more work. And sometimes it's more work if you have the wrong person. So it's like in the beginning when you don't have as much capital, a lot of times you're investing in potential. But then you're going to need to hit a spend where you're going to need to start investing in strategy. But the nice thing about strategy now in like the new gig economy is you can hire so much fractional or consultant stuff to kind of get you there. But it's so important. That's been one of our biggest unlocks is strategy hires. So I was so excited to see when you finally hired an email person. We're doing it. How's that been going? It's been going well. It's actually funny that you say that we're now bringing it back in-house. But what I think is amazing is it's just part of the game and the evolution is very much so in the beginning of your business, you just need Swiss Army knife sometimes, but you need to accept the fact that they are not going to be masters. You hired them to be a Swiss Army knife. They're just not going to know the back end of Clavio and also all of the social media. And they're also content creation, like these are all different things. It's a really great marketing term that I love. 
that I heard is like marketing is you've got engine and you've got fuel people. Rarely ever do you have engine and fuel people. So engine is really like the analytics and the data and the strategy and the fuel is like the graphic design and the pretty and everything. And they're two different things. Are there unicorns out there? Yes, they're really hard to find. They're like finding somebody that is right with both hands. They just like don't really exist in the world. And so I think once I really kind of understood that there's many different people on a marketing team and we had the budget to start hiring for keeping people within their zones of marketing, that's been really helpful. But I think it's helpful, even though you are now bringing it back in-house, which I think for a brand of where you are, where you're going, you have in-person, you have online, I think that's actually the right move. But I do think sometimes we need to outsource initially to really see what's possible, to learn and know what we need. Very much so. And the only reason that we really are is like, so we brought on a fractional director of marketing who really is super strong in email. And so she can come up with all of the strategy. And then she's just having somebody on the team that is the doer of it. But if we didn't have that blend, then no, I would say like outsource partners, especially in marketing in this new world of gig economy, are so crucial to kind of get you to that next phase because you're hiring experts within this zone. And I so appreciate that we had that time with them. So yeah, I think it was like huge. Sometimes you do need to hire the doer. And there are times where I'm like, oh man, part of me just wants to hire a team so I can better serve people. A lot of the things that we've done, it's like, hey guys, go do these 1500 things that you don't have time to do, but I don't have the bandwidth to do it for you either. So it just sort of like sits there and doesn't get implemented. And I think that we just need more people to do the right work, but to do the work, which can be hard. I mean, I would kind of say for every like strategy hire, you probably need three to four people underneath them at least. Because I mean, that's like the thing is like we got kind of top heavy for a while and it's like you can think of all the fucking great ideas, but if you can't implement and do them and do them well, then it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I've been the doer at the other companies that have gotten too top heavy and they keep bringing in like we don't need more strategy. I need minions to execute. Like I cannot execute this all by myself. So I think it's a trap most people fall into. So let's talk about some of the fun stuff now. So what did you do that brought you, what was it, 383? Besides focus, primarily paid media. We found a really killer partner. He was employee number six at Ruggable. Sweet. But I think it's also like whomever you go with with paid media. I think this was kind of the thing was I talked to a bajillion people in paid media and a lot of them were like willing to work within my budget. And this one was like, you are not going to see the results that you want with that number. You need to do at least 25K spend a month. And I was like, oh, my God, that is terrifying. And he was like, we need to do at least a three month commitment, but I will get you the results. And it was kind of like all of this came after like a really hard team annual where somebody was on my team because we were very shy on hiring after this really bad employee situation. And one of the people on my team was like, I can't do all of these functions anymore. I'm in too many seats and everything like that. It was kind of a really rough and all of us were having breakdowns up and right and everything like that. It's like everybody understands growing a small business is so fucking hard. Once you've hit rock bottom, 
you're just kind of at sometimes you're willing to try and just be like, I have nothing else to lose. I've always been kind of very smart with my money. Like I don't buy very fancy things. I do not drive a G-Wagon or anything like that, even though I really want to. I just drive one in GTA, Grand Theft Auto. There you go. That's maybe what I need to do. But yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like when I was in my moments of like lowest of lows and just something I've learned through coaching. And it sounds so like strange to me that I even say these things because it sounds so woo and I'm just not a woo person. But I was like, you know what? I just need to trust my butt. He was still technically like at Ruggable at this time. Like he didn't have any clients. He was just kind of starting and everybody was like, there's other agencies that have said I'm built up. And I was like, I don't know. My butt is telling me to go with this person. And I did. I just went with this person and we've been on this wild ride ever since. And so I think as entrepreneurs, you have this high risk tolerance and you just need to listen to your gut. If you listened to like what people say, nobody would ever start a business because it is fucking insane. So just listen to your intuition, because when my intuition is like, this seems maybe crazy, not carrying the 8000 bags of groceries, but like hiring this weird partner that doesn't have any clients right now. But I listened to it and it all ended up okay. And I think that's like where you always have to balance that running your business is like there is a little bit of gut and then there is 100%. Like I fucking love a good KPI spreadsheet, like nobody's business. But you had to have to kind of level those two out sometimes. Because I think if you go in and you're like, well, what's the worst that could happen? What are the true odds of it? And really kind of run the scenario. You're like, it's really not that bad sometimes. I'd much rather be a big fish in a small pond. So for him, he's here trying to go out on his own. He's trying to get you. He's convincing you to spend all that money. Like he is going to have some fire under his ass to show you that it's successful. And that is so different than going to an agency. And the thing about agencies, too, is the people who work with the clients, they're like fresh out of college. They rotate in and out. They barely know what the hell they're doing. Especially like the really big ones that are like the one-stop shops of it all. Because it's like what I said before, engine and fuel. Like, that's just not how it works. Like, even if there was an agency of like three humans, but they're like, all we do is this one thing. I'd be like, I'm on board a little bit. I mean, when I was leaving my day job, part of that was finding them someone to replace me. And... This is just a little vent, but like after I left, because I was doing so many jobs and after I left, they hired all the individual positions. The person who was doing the main thing that was supposed to be my job got paid way more than I got paid. I'm like, and this is why corporate life is trash. Anyway, they're like, oh, we can't rehire Jess. Jess was truly one of a kind unicorn. And here we are. So rude. But when we went out looking for an email agency, I went to my rep at Clavio to say, hey, like I'm transitioning out. I know you have a bunch of really great partners. I want to be a big fish in a small pond. So I want the tiny agency who's just going to like work their ass off for us. And that's what we found. And honestly, I don't even know if they ended up hiring another email person and now so many people have actually left. I don't get the updates anymore. I don't know why I care, but I spent seven years there. So it's interesting for sure. But 
I am just so excited and impressed and proud and all of the things for you and what you're doing. And I remember when you bought a building, you're like, I'm buying a building. You opened a store, you went crazy online. So I think it's a reminder. And I don't know who I was talking to about this, but like, I think we give up right before the magic is about to happen. I agree with that statement. And then it was interesting. I was listening to another podcast and I was like, at least it checked out for my journey. They were like, once you start making at least 5K online a day, not until then do you truly know what's fueling your growth. And I mean, we just this year passed that level. And I'm like, it checks out. It's interesting. I know it's like the hard work is like, I'm now starting to see like the true potential in there. But yeah, it's just really hard work. And it's still hard work. Don't get me wrong. But now you're just playing levers and numbers game a little bit. So it's so funny because I'm like saying like, paid media, but now we're on this other flip side of now retention. And that's where like very much so like email and like bajillion flows going upside down, left, right and everything are playing such a big game because people are all coming in for the fuck studs and then they're leaving. And I'm like, hey, wait, we should be friends. We have other stuff. A lot of it is fuck stuff because we really trimmed down our product catalog a lot in this entire journey as well, because we're trying to do less better. So now we're trying to bring in more product that maybe is fuck adjacent, but it is. So now you're all like, we're kind of on the flip of it and feel fortunate to be where I am, but I want people to know like it is still so hard. What is social media anymore? I have no idea. I was just having this conversation with somebody earlier today. We were talking about what does 2024 look like for marketing in e-commerce and what are you hearing? And what I'm hearing is sales are down and organic social is shit. And I think that we all have this incorrect notion that organic social is free. And it's not fucking free. It is time, energy, creative juice. It's an employee. It's so much time. So I haven't posted on social in months. And guess what? I feel great. And it's awesome. And I give no shits. You want to hang out with me? You want to learn from me? Come to the podcast. I'm here every Tuesday. And now that can't be true for every business. I get that. But what if you took all that time energy and put it into email? Well, you said that. And I think for some businesses, it was like, I have a friend that very much did stop posting on social and she only did paid media. And because it's going to show up no matter what. And then she has emails and she's doing just fine. It's so interesting. Alex Lieberman is like a co-founder of Morning Brew and he's like a very much like a thought leader. And I think it's so interesting and it's so true. It's like in the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, you pride yourself so much on scrappiness because you're like, I have time. And for some reason, because social media, everybody can have an account for free. You put so much of your time, energy into this thing. And sometimes I'm like, well, what if you actually put a dollar amount on your time and then you actually just invested that in email or paid media? Like, what would happen? Because Instagram is pretty figure outable. It doesn't take a genius to at least figure out, take a picture or whatever and put it on there. And it is 100% you get into the back end of Clavio or 100% you get in the back end of the ads manager. You're just like, what is going on here? But if you kind of cumulatively put that time that you were putting into social media into these other things and or just hired somebody 
I do feel this definitively. It would pay you back so much quicker and faster. Are there unicorns out there? For sure. And I would always say, like, if you hate doing it, if you feel like you're doing it just because everybody tells you you have to, please stop doing it. I actually like oddly at times really like making really weird social content, but I enjoy it. And I make weird stuff like I carved a stick of butter that said fuck on it and people just blew up. And it was kind of oddly like this is kind of fun. I'm okay with it. But if you're not enjoying it, then why are you doing it? That's the biggest thing in life is like if your life is not fulfilling, just please stop doing it. There are other ways. I have this new joke that people are always like, it's so hard to make money. And I'm like, it's actually not that hard to make money. It's hard in the way that you want to make money because we could all go on OnlyFans <laughs> and you could just start printing dollar bills. But you don't want to go on OnlyFans and start printing dollar bills. It's only hard in the way you might want to make money. But the reason that you chose that way to make money is because you love doing it. So zone in on what you enjoy doing because there's 8,000 different ways to figure out how to run a business. Here's the thing. If I didn't have identifying birthmarks and tattoos, I might have an OnlyFans account, not going to lie. And I've told my mother many a times, I'm like, Ma, you can just go put your feet on there. You don't even have to show your face. She's got really nice feet. I'm like, you would be rolling in the dough. The problem is she works for a bank. And so she doesn't ever want them to be able to see like deposits coming from there. Maybe when she retires. She's very young looking. I feel like her feet will hold up. And considering my background, I obviously, no judgment for me, how you want to make your money. No, I think it's amazing. I love all of the people on like Twitch and everything. I'm just like, there is legitimately so many ways to make money in this world. It's just how you choose to make money. That's your choice. And look, there are product-based business owners. We know some of them in common who... They just blew up and killed it on social and they love it. And they now have become the content creator of their business. And that works for them. Yes. But that's because they love it. When you don't love it, it is so fucking painful. There are so many ways to run this business. Do I want you to rely 100% on paid media? No. Because there can be dips and blips there too. But I think as long as you have a really nice balance and you have that retention piece in the back end, just throw some money at it and spend some time with your kids, your loved ones, your family, your partner, whoever, instead of creating content you don't even want to create. I mean, and like to paint the picture to the audience, it's like one of our one-year goals actually for this year that we're, all of our rocks will go towards is... How do we make sure that all of our other sales channels cover our OPEX so that way we're not reliant on paid media? So that way, if something happens and or whatever, or it just is then fuel and we just get to like play with it and everything like that, prove that all of our other channels are healthy enough. Alex Lieberman has this comment that I love is what is your owned audience and your rented audience? Social media is a rented audience paid medium. Email, you own that audience. So it's very much so like owned versus rented audiences. It's important to understand the distinctions between the two. Absolutely. And I bet too, you probably have a whole bunch of on-site stuff you can do. And I see that being a really good focus for you moving forward. My favorite thing about all of this really is because getting all of this in all your ducks in a row Firing on all cylinders freed you up to actually do something else that you've been wanting to do. 
aka you started a podcast. It sure did. Tell us about it. And actually, it's funny because the podcast was actually not part of the plan. Very much so, Sue, my EOS coach and everything, she actually pointed out, she was like, entrepreneurs, visionaries, like, you need to kind of like birth stuff every now and then or it just boils up in you. And like, I was dedicated to the business and it was a hidden rock. I came in one day and I was like, launching a podcast with my friend and like everybody had severe whiplash and they were like, what are you doing? Because I'm very bullish on YouTube and everything. And I was like trying to figure out this YouTube thing. But constantly we're just like sharing podcasts, geeking out all the time on podcasts. And then we were like, we either need to start a podcast or I need to get back to work. And then it was like, maybe we should start a podcast. And then it's been like the biggest gift to myself because it's really allowed me to reinvest in my learning and just kind of like explore and be curious. And it's reminded me a lot of what it feels like to build again and what I'm really good at. Hiring people to do shit I really don't do, but 100% still doing so many things in the business that we needed me for, but I'm not good at. I can just figure it out. Just have enough stick with itness and tenacity and know it's important, but it's not my natural gift or anything like that. So starting the podcast, I was like, wow, I really love storytelling and just like building community and those aspects of the business. And so it really has helped me, honestly, in my other part of my business as well. Then like, I love building community with entrepreneurs, but I also love building community with other badasses that have this weird open mindset. And so that helps me really realize for Larissa Loden, I want to build this community as well. So I might have another podcast. I might have a YouTube channel. I don't know. I have my one podcast idea, which is pretty much a podcast about building community, but I'm still trying to bake up this idea a little bit. It's in like infancy stages, but yes, audience and media is really powerful when we're feeling connected to a human. And that's kind of what podcasting showed me. Sometimes I'm like, I can't get this human to go to dinner for me for the life of me, but I'm like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And they're like, yeah, I'm available next week at 10 a.m. And I am like, what is going on here? Like, like all of a sudden you're like, do you want to be on a podcast? You're like, I'm wildly available calendar is open to you. The weirdest thing for me about podcasting is I can see the numbers. I know that people are listening to it, but I still very often feel like I'm speaking into this black hole of the internet. I know I constantly am saying on my podcast, I'm like, email us, do this stuff on social and like, let me know, like, let's interact. And then it kind of like crickets, but then it's also like, what people do. I'm super excited. And then I'm like, Wow. It was actually really funny. One uh, listener was like, I love your podcast. I just found it. And it's so fun. You're also in Oregon. And I just have the heart to tell them. I was like, I'm actually in Minnesota. I don't know where you got the idea that I'm in Oregon, but maybe it's my sense. I don't know, but I'm in Minnesota. That's so funny. Well, and I think too, when you and I first met, I think you were a podcast listener. Oh yeah. I love podcasts deep into my soul. So such a great medium. It's great. And in terms of creating, it's way easier to just create a podcast than it is a YouTube video. So sometimes I'm doing it late because inspiration strikes and I'm like, oh, I had this other podcast, but I want to record this one instead. But like I can do that all really quick and nobody has to see what I look like when I'm doing it. So true. And it was funny. I love the fact that it was like Emma Chamberlain who went from YouTube to podcasting. She was like, they were asking like a bunch of top podcasters. They asked her like, do you feel like there are ever too many podcasts? And she was like, 
That's a stupid question. Do you ever feel like there are too many books? <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. So we've been just chatting away. I hope you guys are enjoying this. And I think it's different because I know Larissa so well and we work together multiple times. And so I feel like we could just chat all day, but we want to keep it short. So I got to eventually go pick up my children. Yes. Oh, yeah. See, she's got things to do anyway. So I'm a relatable human like everybody else. I got kids to pick up. And <laughs> yes, not just failing a business over here. A lot of plates. But as long as they're all fulfilling to you, really, I feel like we chase this idea of work-life balance. But I'm like, shouldn't we really be chasing this idea of work-life fulfillment? I love that. And I think that's more like if people said, I want work-life fulfillment, I'd be on board with that all day long. When I started e-commerce badassery, it was on the side doing nights and weekends after working all day. And it was the pandemic and all this stuff. And I remember my husband being like, aren't you exhausted? And I said, no, I was exhausted at work because I didn't want to be there. <laughs> this feels amazing. I mean, and that's why I've like loved the podcast and kind of like the new direction, like the commitment level of like what we're building at my company, because it's like, if you can find out how stuff becomes like cyclical and it just is actually energizes you, that's it. That's work-life fulfillment there. That's happening and that's fun. And there is going to be stuff that pops up. I'm not going to deny that for both you and me. Emails, like not the emails that you are building for clients, but like my email inbox is debilitating to me in a way that makes me want to cry. But I know at the core, like it fulfills me. Like if you said like, yo, I will offer you the same paycheck at a corporate company, I'd be like, fuck no, never. And I still wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And that's when I think you know that fulfillment is there, that blend. Even the days when I'm like, I want to burn this whole fucking thing down. Oh my God, yes. And I'm going to move to an island and bartend and probably show my tits and take my ring off so I get more tips. But I would do that, I think, before I would go back to corporate. I just am not hireable anymore. I feel like and a lot of people feel like that once you've like started your business and you're like, oh, man, this is it. I will figure this thing out. A hundred percent. And look, like you said, there are plenty of ways to make money. So of everything that we just rambled on about today, if our listeners were to take one thing away from today's conversation. What would you want it to be? That's such a good question. The one thing I think it's the fulfillment part. More so back to the idea of social media, because I think social media can affect your mental health as like an entrepreneur in such a hard way. If it is not bringing you joy, get rid of it and figure out a different way to make money in your business. Because... I think a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. I mean, have we all know success stories? Sure, but we know success stories in all facets of our life. But this idea of social media and celebrity is so strong there. And I think it affects entrepreneurs' mental health in a really hard way. And I acknowledge that. Like, I very much so, like I said, I am a person that actually enjoys making content, but I still have a timer on all of my social media apps. Cumulatively, I only get 30 minutes a day. And when stuff is really hard, like right now when we're recording this, I'm putting it on snooze the entire weekend. 
And I think it's so important as entrepreneurs, you have to be so dialed into like everything that is happening in the world because you're trying to understand it to build your business and everything. I think it's really important to acknowledge that you actually really need to take breaks from it and how important it is. A friend said, think of social media as a book that's on a shelf and that sometimes you can put that book back on the shelf and that sometimes you can take it back off, but to really understand that relationship with it. So if it is truly making you feel less than, maybe it's time to just take a break and focus on other parts of your business and commit to that. I would say that's the one thing I would really truly do. All the 8,000 marketing Instagram people are going to come after me and be like, how dare you? But I do. I think everybody can acknowledge how much it affects your mental health. It's so true. And I would. There's 8,000 different ways to make money for your business and your mental health as a founder of your company is so important. Because like you were just saying, all the people who teach Instagram, like, you know what the heck to growing on Instagram is? Teaching other people how to grow on Instagram. I hate the reels that are like, save this sound and put it to this. I'm like, that is such bullshit. For that one person that posted that, they're doing great because you just solidified the algorithm because you saved it because you think this is the tactic that is going to be the unlock. No, making really great content is the unlock. But if you hate making content, acknowledge that. That sound clip is not going to do jack shit <laughs> for your business. I'm going to tell you that right now. I will paint the picture for our audience. So like on a, the world's okayest entrepreneur Instagram channel that I do that one. We had like early on in the first month, I had one reel go bananas. It has something like 1.4 million views. Insane. Amazing. You know how many followers we got off of that, Jess? I think for now, the two months that's been going, I think we have 100 followers. Like our follower count on that Instagram one is like 408. But I have a reel that has 1.4 million views. It literally means nothing. Last question. If you were starting your business over, is there anything you would do different? It's the blend of acquisition and retention. So paid media with Luxembourg Platter of really good email. I would have done that. I mean, especially when I started before the Cambridge Analytica and all that bullshit. Paid media is so different now and then that and the eight thousand iOS updates with privacy and everything like that. I would have done that. But do I think it's too late to start the game? Definitely not. 10,000%. As a person that just said to take time off with social media, guess what? There are 8 billion people in this world and guess where they all hang out on social media. So I would 100% bet on it, but then have your email super, super strong because it's so important. Amazing. Tell everyone where they can find you. Larissa Loden. I named my business after myself. But if you just Google fuck studs or fuck ring, the algorithm will find you and my <laughs> ads will start popping up for you nonstop. <laughs> so if my name is too much, Larissa Loden, just Google fuck studs. And we have some really great Black Friday, Cyber Monday promotions coming up. Are you going to tell us what they are? Or do we have to wait to find out? How good of a marketer is she? How much mystery is she going to leave? They're the biggest discount we've ever given. So. We hired a fractional director of marketing and she was like, people don't pay attention if you do these piddly like discounts. Like she's like, you need to go big. And everything she's told us to do so far has proven well for us. So 
Our Black Friday Cyber Monday promotion is 35% off, but then the Fox Studs were doing a crazy like doorbuster deal for, and they'll be 20 bucks and they're normally 50. That's amazing. I love that. And they're available in gold and silver. silver. Amazing. Well, I can't freaking wait. This will be out in enough time for people to learn about that. And I just want to actually touch on this. Get on our email. It's pretty good. So I'm pretty proud of it. They do have really good email. And if nothing else, there's always a good GIF inside the email that you're just going to want to see. So it's amazing. And I just have to say, like, with the discount thing on Black Friday, either don't do it and stand your ground that you're not going to do it and tell people why you're not going to do it or just do something really awesome that they want. A hundred percent. If you're doing 10 percent, don't kill yourself over it. It's just not going to convert. So I agree with that statement. Ten thousand percent. Amazing. So Larissa Loden and the OKest Entrepreneur Podcast. I will put all the links in the show notes. Thank you again, darling, for being here. It's been a blast. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. I know you could be anywhere on the internet and I appreciate that you are here with us. So I will talk to you soon. See you on the flip side. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.